does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Previously on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. Yeah, thanks for waking us, uh, waking up with us, I should say, on this Friday. KB and Andy hanging out with you until 10 o'clock. Greg Rakestraw going to join us at 8 o'clock. We'll talk some Colts football. Matt Taylor going to join us. He's been he's been out and about among the uh, the state and areas around us going to do a little Colts Colt caravan. He's I say a, I see him as a busy man. He was down in Louisville. He was yes, I believe uh, a day or two ago he was down there. So he's going around uh, with uh, Lara Overton and others, and they're they're you know looking to going around the state to all the affiliates. So appreciate him covering out some time as well. It's a beautiful day in Indianapolis. We'll get you into your Friday reminder. A couple different things tonight: Trinity and Center. Grove. Give me Center Grove minus the number tonight. Look at that. We'll have some uh, some high school football. Now, would you up. say that if you were still in Louisville? Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Louisville? Yeah. The, uh, Tr- Trinity, they're, they're my rival. How about that? You like that? I in fact, in fact, you know, I thought about mentioning this. I need like a like a center grow shirt today or something, like a like a hoodie or something that I could be wearing. Uh, so people on the YouTube, we're busy. Otherwise, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Penn State will have both the games Saturday right here on the fan. Okay, so IU uh, Ohio State, by the way, over on WIBC. That's uh, beginning at two thirty. We'll talk some Purdue and Indiana football as we go today. Okay, so we have a nice. We have a few minutes here. We have a lot of time in this segment. So, I have something, you have something. You teased uh, before the break, going into the break, that you were sitting there in front of Shane Steichen, and you were thinking about asking him a question. You did not I ask just, him uh, a particular question. So I now, got scared. So now we sat during the break. Now I need to know, yeah, what's I got the scared. question, KB? I got scared. I walked to the end of the diving board and walked right back. Um, oh, wow, okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm a bit embarrassed. So yesterday, Shane Steichen opens up his press conference, and again, the last time we're going to hear from Shane until Monday. NFL mandates a three-day break here for the final off week for the NFL until you know, whatever, the week before the Super Bowl I guess, and maybe if you count the Pro Bowl after that. Um, So he announces the seven captains for the Colts, and for those that missed it, DeForest Buckner, Zaire Franklin, Shaquille Leonard, Kenny Moore, and then on offense you have Ryan Kelly, you have Quentin Nelson, and you have Anthony Richardson. Uh, a couple of things I found interesting about the announcement. You look at those guys, Andy. Mm-hmm. All of them 27 or older besides Richardson. <laughs> Except for Richardson. Oh, right, and, right. And pretty much all of them were captains last season. Um, Ryan Kelly was not. Matt Ryan, of course, was a captain. And basically he's trying to explain, you know, the the process. Team votes on these captains and and they take the top, you know, whatever seven vote getters and that is um, how captains are chosen here for the 2023 season. So he's talking about that and you know getting asked about okay, you know what does it mean for Anthony Richardson to be a captain, et cetera, et cetera, all those things. And I'm sitting there thinking do I ask how many votes Jonathan Taylor got? <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I was going to say, is, is it... Should is, I have done that? Is, is it, it, am I a chicken for well, not doing I that? I mean, are, are the, the votes are secret, right? Do, I, I know. I, only he wasn't going to reveal staff. the ballot to me. I, I know but he wasn't going to... But do we believe the ballot? I'm not trying to go Trump in election <laughs> here, but I'm saying, do we believe that the votes yeah. are the votes that, like, that Richardson like, got all the votes? Like, I guess I do, but, I mean, come on. They kind of know who they want to be captain anyway, maybe? But, you know, I have to... 
thinking to myself, like, of the guys that were captains last season, great question. the only one that is still on the team and is not a captain is Taylor. Matt Ryan was a captain. <laughs> Obviously, he is no longer here. Um, so, yeah, I just sat there, and boy, for about two or three minutes, I thought, is now the time to ask? Is now the time? And I just, you know, cold feet, I, I, I got scared. I got scared, wow. and I, I did not ask it. Yeah, so that's I apologize. Not you. That's I, not you, I, I, I is apologize. it? I apologize. I know. I, I tried to take pride in using my credential, tried to be a voice of the fan, and I decided to hold off. Yeah, but see, I don't see you as a guy that holds off. I mean, uh, Chris you, Ballard, you, 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 I don't. you ask him about Kareem Hunt. You I ask know, him, I mean, I which, was a, which was a valid question. He'll probably end up in Miami now. Uh, you ask him about that. What else? I mean, you ask him about if it's going to stunt the growth of Anthony Richardson by not having, you know, a strong... You know, offensive room, running back room. How would Shane Sykin have replied to that? Oh, I can tell you. Oh, Shane, uh, was Jonathan Taylor close to becoming a captain? Here's how I would do it. You don't want it to be a yes or no. How you could ask how many votes, but he would tell yeah. you we're not gonna get we're not gonna get into you know how many votes each guy got. I guess how I could have said how close was Taylor to becoming a captain this season? Yeah, I guess I could have said you know, Shane, the only captain. From last year, that's not a captain this year and still on the team is Jonathan. Was he close? To, I, yeah, I guess was he close would be a yes or no question. Um, <laughs> you, yeah. you, look, you got a broken... Mark, gosh. he's broken up about it. I was broken another up. another donut. I know, he, I know. I had to move the donuts to the break room. I saw they, a PBR real they, quick. They, they, they were staring at me there. <laughs> well, I guess this is now the NFL trend you know, of Oprah. You're a captain. You're a captain. You're a captain. Yeah, I mean... I mean, Seven is a lot. Th- there were Seven's f- a lot. Mark, I did see your Bears. I think only had four. four. I th- I could have sworn, Andy, your your no, Giants had more than seven. They, they had like 13. <laughs> well, I mean, what are we doing? <laughs> they, they had double digits. 13 Every, of 46? Well, when you have so many good players, you know, you just can't choose. You know, you let the players decide. There's a Fields, a, DJ Moore, Eddie Jackson, Tremaine Edmonds. Four seems about right. Seven and 13 is... No, four sounds right, but I feel like you're in the minority here, Mark. I feel like your Bears are in let's the minority see, with the just Giants having four do. guys. Why do I just remember the... I have this like vivid picture in my brain of Manning, Brackett, Vinatieri, like walking out to midfield, and that's it. <laughs> and like that's how it was back, back in your in the day. day. Back in your day. I don't know. Can we just get like, you know, Richardson, Buckner, and Luke Rhodes? I, I, I don't know. Zaire Franklin can be the special teams captain. I'm trying to, I'm trying to look up because I do think the Giants had the most uh, in the NFL. I thought they had double digits. No, I, I'm trying to find it. Here, Here it is. is. Daniel Jones, Saquon yep. Barkley, Andrew Thomas, Darren Waller, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, Bobby Okereke, Adoree Jackson, Xavier McKinney, and Graham Gano. There you go. Good Lord. It's ten guys. Just, I mean, <laughs> you might as well have Tiki Barber and Eli Manning walk out to midfield. Is well, Tom Coughlin going to be out there? <laughs> hey, those are the glory years. You guys, you guys shut up. Okay, you guys shut up. Those are the glory years. One thing to note, and I've got an updated Colts 53-man roster on our website, so continue to kind of keep your eyes peeled to that because teams continue to tinker with their roster. We saw the Colts sign a veteran defensive end, Jacob Martin, yesterday. They cut one of their offensive linemen. It's interesting to note right now to me, Andy, and it's probably one of, if not the biggest concern heading into week one. You look at their backup O-lineman right now, uh, six, seven, eight, nine. Right now, your backup tackles specifically are two rookies drafted on the final day of the draft, and one guy in Ryan Hayes who wasn't even on the team, you know, forty-eight hours ago. So that to me is still something that, like, what is confusing. Like, I can disagree with Chris Ballard about his approach at wideout, but it's not confusing to me from the sense of Ballard is 
always explained that he just doesn't view that in the same light as how he views trenches mm-hmm. and investing in O-line and D-line. So when I see the lack of offensive line experience behind those starters, just even a couple guys, hey, right. this guy started eight games, this guy started for a year, et cetera, et cetera, that's where I'm thinking to myself, man, that goes against your belief. And that's why I'm confused right. because that is what he believes in. So again, the O-line depth, certainly something to keep an eye on. Um, they did sign a corner yesterday to their practice squad who actually played a ton for Atlanta last year, started I think eight or nine games, which if you're in that cornerback room for the Colts and you've started eight or nine games, you're like automatically one of the most experienced guys. So um, just a couple roster notes. And again, that'll be something that will continue to have some tinkering until we get to week one. Uh, yeah, whenever a coach, a GM has a core principle, a core value in the team, the construct of the team or how the team plays doesn't match up to that. Uh, that's when you become confused. Like if, like if Billy Napier was this this tough coach, right, and his team was known for discipline, and then they go out and they you know did what they did last night, you would say, well, wait a minute, the core principle for Billy Napier uh, is that. Can I get this off my chest real quick? We, we teased it. Can I get sure, this off yeah. my chest? Well, I want your opinion on it, okay? I want your savvy uh, sports. Put your You can put your, your journalism hat on, KB. You can do whatever you want here. You can put your sports radio host uh, hat on. So uh, I'm consuming, and my algorithm now is even more and more obviously, Indianapolis Colts stuff, okay? Uh, You know, the Twitter X, they listen in. They know what I'm looking at. They know what I'm not looking at and everything else. So a couple things came out yesterday. Number one, and I don't know if you saw this, Josina Anderson, and this is not surprising. I asked Stephen Holder about this a couple days ago. Josina Anderson put out yesterday that she was told the Dolphins and the Packers were both willing to give uh, Jonathan Taylor a contract that placed him among the highest running backs in the NFL. Uh, so, I mean, I read that as not the highest paid in the NFL, but one of them. What does it mean to be among? Does it mean you're third? Does it mean you're fifth? Does it mean you're second? Uh, we, we we shall find out. Barry Jackson uh, of the Herald of what what the Miami Herald I believe uh, tweeted out after that the trade compensation was the issue with Taylor. The Colts wanted a package of good players and high picks. Colts and the, now he's bringing up the Portland Trailblazers. The Colt you know with uh, Damian Lillard. Sure. Colts and the Blazers remain wildly unrealistic and misguided about how to resolve situations with disgruntled players. I just, I, I feel like, and I might be wrong here. Listen, I'm going to be clear. I understand that, you know, I've been on this show for a couple weeks, okay? I understand you guys have been living with the Colts. You guys have been living, perhaps, with, you, you could say, the dysfunction, the drama, however you want to put it. And I and I understand that, and I am sensitive, to, I am sensitive I'm trying to be sympathetic towards all of that. You also just saw, like, let me break this down, KB. The Miami, and then I went and I looked at some more Miami people. The Miami media is throwing a fit 
that the Colts did not trade them Jonathan Taylor. And while all this was going on with Taylor, Miles Gaskin, who is a fine rotation, uh, rotational running back, he ends up, he's off the team, he goes to the Minnesota Vikings. You then have Jeff Wilson Jr., who is often injured, and he was often injured with San Francisco for a number of years, and now he goes to Miami last year, and he continues to have the injury bug. I mean, they think he's going to miss five, six weeks. I mean, that's what they're talking about already in Miami. And so, obviously, those guys, and Jeff Wilson Jr. would be one of those, they're not going to move those guys, right? Uh, I mean, and if you're the Colts, why would you want Jeff Wilson Jr.? He's an often injured player, and Mostert probably fits that mold as well. We also know the Miami Dolphins for 2024, and KB, you have been consistent. If you get picks for Taylor, when do you want them? You want them in 24, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't want to wait as to 25. You don't wait to 2026. 20, I mean, Anthony Richardson, in theory, this roster, in theory, needs help. And so the Dolphins don't have, what is it, a third round? They don't have a third rounder. And they third don't, and fourth, And right? they don't have a fourth rounder. So they don't have a third rounder. They don't have a fourth rounder. They have often injured running backs. Uh, and Mike Chappell, who we had on yesterday, has done the reporting over the last couple days that the Indianapolis Colts never received what? A first or a second round pick. So I'm wondering what Miami thought they were going to get for Jonathan Taylor. The only, the only, again, we don't know the specifics of what Miami had on the table, what the Green Bay Packers had on the table, or anybody else. Any, any of those conversations. I understand the fiber of the entire Jonathan Taylor saga has been that we don't know, that fans do not know. But I guess the only thing that I would back uh, a little bit, and again, this is not knowing all the facts, obviously, I keep repeating that, would be I would back the Colts just in this notion uh, of getting uh, of getting some value. If the reports are true, and I believe they are, Stephen Holder and others have talked about how they ask about Jalen Waddle. Well, of course uh, that is silly, and of course you know, nationally, the Colts are seen uh, as I don't know if it's a train wreck, but a, a, a you know, at times, a poorly run organization Organization. I mean, I mean, they are. That's that's what the national media is trying to tell you. And then the Miami the Miami media is throwing their fit because they didn't get Jonathan Taylor. I don't know what Miami thinks they were going to do. That they were going to give a couple fifth rounders here to get Jonathan Taylor. If everyone, the national media is telling me, and media for these other teams is telling me how great Jonathan Taylor is. The Colts, hell, they're telling us how great Jonathan Taylor is. So the Colts then are supposed to give him away and. And, and listen, I, if they were offered three threes, you know, I, you know, we talked about that a couple days ago. You know, that you would run and sign that deal, and you would make the deal, and you would rid yourself of JT, and you would begin the rebuilding process. But I, 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 I don't know here. I, I'm struggling with this because, yes, I understand the drama. Yes, I understand you want to get compensation. I also understand while you want compensation, you may just want to move on from what is going on here. But you still gotta get something and and right now until we know what that something is like I, I don't think Miami should just get him for free no Miami didn't want to give up good players and they don't have and they don't have the draft picks 
and the running backs they have in their room are injured all the time. Mostert is always, except for last season, injured. Jeff Wilson is always injured. They're already expecting him to miss, what, 30% of the season, and we haven't even kicked off week one yet. Um, and so I guess I'm just, I'm confused. Listen, the Colts, the way they handled this, the Ursa comments, perhaps some of the stuff that Chris Ballard said or did not say the other day, the frustration with last year, the frustration with the last couple years, I, I get it. But in but in this instance, I, and we need to know more. I keep coming back to that crutch that we need to know more. But they also have to get something. I don't feel bad for the Dolphins that the Dolphins couldn't limp in with a with a with a with a back end of the roster player or two in a fifth round pick and thinking they're going to get a twenty four year old running back who's ready to run for thirteen hundred yards. Yeah, Does any of that make sense? Yeah, I, I I certainly hear where you're where you're coming from on that. And it I guess it's just really hard to know without being, you know, whatever, inside those uh discussions and negotiations on what a future pick might look like, you know, what a player might look like in this. You know, so many times when you do these trades and you're the team trading players for what you think are better players, you just immediately go to, let's find our old dudes that make a lot of money and <laughs> right. they're going to be free agents soon. And you just assume the other team is going to want that. I, I went on Miami radio last week in discussing this and it was like, yeah, what about this dude who makes a lot of money? What about that dude who makes a lot of money? And I'm like, I don't see that for a team that is in a rebuild at all. That doesn't really make sense to me. I, I guess... I. I might take it in a different direction, Andy, and go back to the Josina Anderson Mm -hmm. report that you had originally. And I think Barry Jackson mentioned this as well, who, again, is a longtime cover of the Dolphins. They both seem to indicate that the contractual extension, I guess, they would be handing Jonathan Taylor was not an issue. Mm -hmm. Like, that was... The Taylor camp was good with that. And so my thought is now... That probably, assuming that is true, that probably will add more frustration to 100%, Taylor. 100%. That's what I asked Stephen Holder a couple days ago. Can you imagine being Jonathan Taylor and all you need is Chris Ballard to okay this and you're going to get the money that you've wanted for the last 12 months? Yeah, like that to me is like, okay, go seek out a trade. See how you're valued out there. Well, contractually, there are some teams out there that clearly value him at a level that it appears the Colts do not, or at least right now, do not value him. So I think that just is going to probably frustrate Taylor uh, even more with this. Now the question becomes is, is that same contractual value going to be there in March? Because when you hit 2024 and you get to free agency, obviously the Colts have the franchise tag that they could use and they haven't used since Pat McAfee a decade ago. And if you look at the 2024 free agent running backs, all of a sudden, it's your guy, Saquon Barkley, mm-hmm. hitting free agency. It's Josh Jacobs mm-hmm. hitting free agency. It's Derrick Henry hitting free agency. Aaron Jones, it's probably. Austin Eckler yeah. hitting free agency. I mean, it is a loaded running back group that will be hitting the open market there. So now, all of a sudden, do teams look at it and say, man, I was thinking, Miami and Green Bay, I was thinking we'd get Taylor for 2023. Now we're not getting him for that season, and there's all these other running backs out there that might not be the same player as Taylor, but again, when you think of price tag and the return on investment, you might be more inclined to going down a a different path. So that, to me, was probably the more interesting aspect to it of when these first, I guess that was now, what, two weeks ago when the Colts came out and said, Jonathan, will you seek out a trade? I think the common thought was, 
the hardest thing would be him finding the contractual satisfaction that he wants versus the compensation trade-wise. Now, when you put those together, obviously you got to appease both parties, Taylor and the Colts, and clearly the Colts didn't feel like they got enough. But if Taylor's camp feels like there was enough there contractually, I would assume that just means he's even more dug in. And I and I'm and I'm surprised that, that that hasn't become more of a, you know, he only liked one tweet. You know, we talked about that, but Jonathan Taylor and his agent haven't really said anything and they could have, you know, several million dollars in guaranteed money just to play it again the value not letting them walk out the door. Here's what Chris Ballard had to say uh what a couple days ago with the media. Sorry, Mark. Can you, turn, can you turn me up? Sorry. I sprung that on you, Mark. Sorry about You're that. On. All right, here we go. Jonathan is valuable. And at the end of the day, we're not, you know, I'm not just going to let him walk out the building. I'm not going to do that. It's not the best thing for the Colts and the organization. Obviously, I wonder where he was. McCaffrey's one, Kamara two, Henry three, Chubb. You've used him and his contract as and, a and jumping off point. there's a big drop from the first two to the third, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there is. Kamara and McCaffrey are like 15 and 16, and Henry's like 12 and a half. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I mean, basically. So, I mean, just looking at the highest paid running backs uh, in the NFL. Do you think Taylor's trade value now just decreases from well, here on out? That's what Jake and them talked about yesterday was, you know, when you put out there, hey, Hey, he's still telling us he's injured. Uh, how does that hurt his trade trade value? I mean, obviously the Dolphins and I say the Dolphins and Packers, they were fine to pay him. Like, like what Josina Anderson's report tells me is that the money demand from Jonathan Taylor is not ludicrous. Is that fair to say? If those teams are yeah, ready and, to to make that kind of you know compensation to him and again i got a tweet here do you honestly believe that the source for that green bay and miami were willing to give him top money wasn't directly from jt's agent again this this is he said she said seventh grade stuff i mean that's exactly where we're at with all of this um I guess that is now a question I have is as you reach into the season and now 17 games of Jonathan Taylor becomes 12 games of Jonathan Taylor and 10 games of Taylor and October 31st comes around I I mean his trade value on September 1st versus October 21st versus February 1st I don't know I just can't see it increasing because even if he plays but he can't play till week five. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, how many games would he have then between? So he'd this? have four games before the trade deadline. I mean, I don't know. But again, if is he, he going to play three, right away? Yeah, if he plays in two of those games and he's ripping off, you know, four point eight per carry, and he's got a couple hundred yard yeah, games boy. and a couple touchdowns, that I, that's asking a lot. Like a pipe dream. Listen, that's asking that's asking a lot. I, like I, Christian I know. McCaffrey, what did he do last year? He had missed what was it? Uh, 20-some games in 2020 and 2021. I mean, he entered 2022 as a oft-injured running back. Variety of injuries. But what McCaffrey did last year is he played the first eight games of the season before San Francisco made the trade. You also had San Francisco at 3-3. Three and three. You know you're going to have a desperate team at mid-October, late-October. That's a guarantee. There are desperate teams every year in the NFL. But what separates McCaffrey from Taylor, among other things, i.e. McCaffrey's a hybrid wideout, He's under contract for a couple more seasons. He also played in September and October. Taylor is at least not playing in yeah, September. McCaffrey stats aren't great. They were a bad team. I, I think with these guys, especially McCaffrey, and I think even Taylor gets the benefit of the doubt here, they know how good they are, right? 
I mean, the Packers look at him. The Miami Dolphins look at him, KB, and they're like, we don't need you to play two or three games this season at a high, high level to know what you can do. I mean, that would worry me. I don't know. We can dive into the 8 o'clock hour. The, was it a smart thing for Ballard uh, to put out some of the injury stuff? Was it a shrewd thing? Was it a silly thing, a stupid thing? Did it help? Did it hurt? Did it not do anything well, to the value? Well, you can't lie and say he's unhealthy. He's, well, he's on the pup he, list. If he's on pup, you know, yeah. you, you've got to be hurt, and I say that in quotes, to be on pup. Um, Elias Sports just released the youngest rosters in the NFL. I figured the Colts would be the youngest. They are not. They're the third youngest. Hmm. You guys care to guess who one and two are? The third youngest. Oh, boy. Would Arizona be in there, given that Arizona is I'm surprised uh, doing by the one tank? and two. Really surprised by number two. I uh, will say... Boy, that's a rough one. I don't want to say the Rams and Niners. The Packers, mm. I would say, just because I feel like you Packers take... are one, Mark. Great Packers work. Suck. Well, I figure you take Aaron Rodgers' old ass <laughs> off and you put Jordan Love in. You've dropped a few decades <laughs> off of the age limit now. Uh, number two is the Rams. Like, with Stafford and Donald and... Cups been around a few years. Yeah, that... So, again, the Colts have nobody over the age of 30 on their roster. Ryan, Kel- Ryan Kelly and Luke Rhodes being the old... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Before we get Greg here, just uh, quickly, Ross Dellinger of Yahoo reporting, and KB, I don't know if you care about this, you're a Notre Dame guy, so you flirt with the ACC. The ACC presidents have approved expansion. They're adding Stanford, Cal, and SMU. So there you go. The month and <laughs> you got nothing on that. You're an elitist Notre Dame fan. What do you care about SMU? That's big for the Olympic sports for the Irish. Hey, hey, I'm just again still thinking. You know, it doesn't matter. Cal Duke softball game. Hey, listen. I mean, like, what are we listen, doing? Here? Listen, who do, who doesn't want that Stanford Duke uh, softball game? There's no doubt about that. All right, let's jump to the Payless Liquors hotline. Greg Rakestraw joins us here uh, in the eight o'clock hour on the wake up call on the fan. Greg, first of all, uh, good morning, and second of all, uh, it's been quite a week in Colts land. You have all the Jonathan Taylor stuff. You have them then on the pup list. You have Chris Ballard talking with the media, and you have a 53-man roster. So I'll throw it all out there. What interests you the most this week in Indianapolis Colts land? You know what I'm looking forward to the most is not having to talk about Jonathan Taylor this weekend. (laughs) Not that I'm upset you brought it up, because obviously you have to talk about that first and foremost uh, when talking about the Indianapolis Colts right now. But it's funny, those of us that that cover the team year in, year out, and I'm sure uh, Kevin will be nodding his head momentarily to this, we all kind of look at Labor Day weekend. We love our jobs. It's kind of our last chance to to not have everything centered around the Colts. Uh, And I realize that 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 we have long since passed the ad nauseum part uh, of of this Jonathan Taylor story. Um, I appreciated Chris Ballard's remarks. Uh, you could tell that, that the affection he has for Jonathan is, is heartfelt as a football player. 
Um, but I, I think this comes down to a business decision for the Colts, and they are going to do their best to try to ride this out, and hopefully you'll see Jonathan Taylor on the field at some point for this football team. And if that is the case, then perhaps down the road, this relationship is repairable. We simply do not know. Right position group you're most confident in and least confident in entering the season? Um, if I could really narrow it down, I'm most confident in the defensive tackles. You know, we all kind of look defensively at, you know, front line, linebackers, uh, secondary, and I would probably put the linebackers right behind those guys. But for all of the question marks we have about this Colts roster, Guys like Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner, knock on wood, tend to stay healthy. And those two are as good as any defensive tackle combo in the league. So those guys, and then the linebacker position, even if we really don't know what the top end for Shaquille Leonard is, the fact that he has been out in practice as often as he can and was taking every rep until he you know, had to go through the concussion protocol for the last two weeks. But, again, you and I saw him out there for the limited portion of practice we were able to see yesterday. I feel good about the linebacker position for this football team as well. There's obviously question marks across the board. You start with quarterback when you're going to play a, a, a fourth overall draft pick, and the corner position is just so young and, again, for, for corner, let's see. Those, those guys are not played better than we expected them to in the preseason. That's the preseason. Let's see if, if in any way, shape, form, or fashion that translates to the regular season next Sunday. Again, Greg Rakestraw is with us here. Obviously, ISC will get to high school football coming up in just a second. You will hear him a week from Sunday. Post-game show duties for the Colts. Rake, I feel like such an underrated storyline that I guess, understandably, we haven't talked about is – the Colts right now have a player at left tackle in Bernard Ryman and defensive end in Quiddy Pay that they could do wonders for this franchise if they said, mm-hmm. you don't need to worry about these spots moving forward. I feel like those storylines, Rake, outside of Richardson, outside of Taylor, outside of Pittman, Leonard, you know, I mean, you could make, you know, whatever, five or six out above them, but I feel like those deserve a little bit more attention because you think about the future of this team, if you can say Ryman's left tackle and or Pay is defensive end, that helps you out in future drafts so much. Absolutely, and, and I maybe have a little more confidence in Bernard Ryman at this point. And, yeah, and I would I agree. Wanna, I want to state, it's not that Quiddy Pay has been bad. I think he's been average, and he kind of got nicked up a couple of different times last year. And so Pay has been solid. He just hasn't flashed long enough. And again, the, you know, we have now seen two years of, of Quiddy compared to really two-thirds of a season of Bernard Ryman. Again, if, if you know, for those of you that, that, that geek out about this stuff, some do, some don't. Um, but if you look kind of the pro football focus numbers, you know, Ryman, Ryman was pretty good, you know, by the, by the back end of last year. And the fact that when he was on the field, we didn't really notice him during the course of the preseason, that is the ultimate thing. So you're absolutely right. This team has been desperate for pass rush since the peak of Robert Mathis ended, say, in 2014. 2015. Um, Clearly this team has missed Anthony Costanzo greatly at left tackle, which is not a surprise. He held down the fort for 10 years. I think there's a lot of Costanzo in Ryman, so you're absolutely right. I probably have a little more confidence in in Ryman at this point than I do Pay. I just want to see Pay produce a little bit more. He's been solid, 
as a first-round pick, I want to see him do a little bit more. Greg Gregstraw with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. This might be something that might be better to ask you next Friday, but it's something we'll talk about after Labor Day and leading up to Game 1 and obviously all season. It's such a generic question, Greg, but how do you think Anthony Richardson does? How do you think he looks on that first Sunday? I think I, I honestly think he's going to do very well, um, and, and let me explain. Yes, teams will have studied him through the draft. Yes, teams will have seen him through two preseason games. I do think that the rookie quarterback has a bit of an advantage early because teams aren't sure how to scout against him. And, and, and let me give you the, the example. It wasn't a rookie, but let's look at Sam Ellinger's you know, first two starts last year. Wasn't anything spectacular. He was really solid against the Washington Commanders, a game the Colts probably should have won at the end of October. You get to week number two, and obviously playing a Bill Belichick coach team is, is a completely different mm-hmm. argument, but they completely swarmed him and, and, and embarrassed him to the point that the Colts made a coaching change the next day. I do think there's a couple-of-week process for teams to kind of get a little more film and get a little understanding as to how to game plan. Um, the thing that I kept looking at about Anthony Richardson, Andy, the entire preseason, because I thought the job was going to be his unless he proved that it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And nothing looked overwhelming to him at any point in time. Does he sometimes take a little extra time to make where the read is? Yes. Are there accuracy issues in terms of occasionally throwing behind a receiver or overthrowing a receiver? Yes. And those are things he has to work on. Those are things he has to improve on. But the thing that I have said numerous times about Anthony is that it's, it's, this, it's this such unique conundrum package combination of circumstances for him if you have the mixture of the athleticism and the intangibles usually you are not worried and i think he's got both of those i know he's got the athleticism that's everybody can see that um the intangibles i've not heard a bad word spoken about the kid just yet and he seems to say and do all the right things so if you've got those things i think you're going to be fine the reason we don't know is he just doesn't have that much experience how do you get the experience you go out and play so, again, I, I think at the start, I think you're going to see some really good things. I think as teams kind of devise more of a game plan against him, maybe you'll see a little bit of a, of a dip at some point in time in the season. But I honestly think out of the gate, I think he can be pretty good next Sunday. I really do. Can Greg Gregshaw is with us here, ISC Sports Network. Greg, I could be totally out of line in saying this, so just tell me to shut up if so. I have a suggestion for ISC in an event that I would like to see them air here at some point in the next few months, okay? I may have an answer for you that would surprise you. So I think I know where you're going with this, so ask away. If there's any brain out there that knows where I'm going with this, it would be yours. Um, Are we talking about a high school soccer match? Uh, September the 12th, I'll be at uh, Walter Crossfield in Kokomo to televise Logan Sport at Kokomo so everybody can see Flory Badunga playing. Oh, my gosh. You're an assassin, Rake. That is absolutely incredible. Yes. I'm sitting there. I can't believe that you just pulled that out. (laughs) Rake and I, we did chat yesterday at Colts practice. We didn't talk about Flory Badunga at all. I I was about to say, did you guys set that up? Was that a radio bit you guys just did with the audience? I swear. And Rake can attest to that. I'm watching Kyle Nenrip's highlights because he was at the West Lafayette match earlier this week i am literally <laughs> smiling ear to ear at this six nine top five bill self future recruit you know potentially whatever a top pick in the nba draft and this dude's heading balls into the goal <laughs> like he looks like he's got great touch i cannot wait rake give me that date again logan's port on win 
So it's going to be at Kokomo. Logansport is the visiting team. Okay. 6.30-ish is the kickoff time a week from this coming Tuesday, September the 12th. And I've had the pleasure of seeing Flory play several times last year. Obviously, it was on the state finals broadcast for basketball. <laughs> I, I am so geeked about the fact that he's playing soccer. And secondly, I saw the same highlight you did. And I saw the header, I'm like, that kid can play. And obviously, I, I think I know a little something about soccer and sure. basketball. So, so no, I, 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 I literally sent an, an email to, to my buddy Nick Sale, the, the AD at Kokomo, and other friends said, hey, I'd like to come do this. I think we can find the sponsors to make this happen. I'm not asking you to, to kind of pay us to be there. And he's like, when would you like to be there? I said, well, we happen to have a hole in the schedule coming up on Tuesday the 12th. I just got the email clearance last night. So How about I get that? to announce it on this stage. So I'll, I'll be seeing Flory in a completely different environment coming up on Tuesday. Here's the one thing that I will say is this. And because I was a basketball guy first who then kind of had to learn how to do soccer broadcasting on the fly – there is a lot of correlation between the skills in soccer and basketball. We talk about condition, we talk about footwork, but basically if you're a neophyte to soccer, but you know basketball, think about attacking a soccer defense like you would break down a 2-3 zone. There's a lot of correlations in terms of movement. Obviously how you move the ball is completely different. There's a lot of correlations in terms of movement between basketball and soccer, and so hopefully we'll have some basketball fans who aren't soccer people tuning us in a week from this Tuesday. You just made my day, Ray. Thank you for that. <laughs> you guys are in cahoots. I like that. I like that. Greg Rakestraw uh, joining us here. Well, I wanted to ask you about uh, Purdue and Indiana quickly, but just since we're in the high school scene, a uh, couple weeks in, Greg, what do you feel like high school football-wise, the few things that you've learned that you're very confident in saying, again, just a few weeks weeks into the season anything i will say, sure i will i will say this um the hoosier crossroads conference is scary good um and 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 there has been a, a debate in terms of you know the mick versus the hcc for the last few years and and obviously things changed when when center grove and carmel were asked to leave the league and and, and the mick is down to six teams the team that's ranked number one is still in the mick and ben davis and i will see them for the first time and i'll actually have them each of the next couple of weeks I'm lucky enough to have their game against IMG next Friday night, which I'm really looking forward to that. Um, they got Pike coming up this week. But top to bottom, the HCC is ridiculously good. I, I think there are seven teams that are within the orbit of the top ten out of the eight in that league this year. I saw Fishers last week. They're good. Uh, I, I, Westfield you know, had a heck of a battle with LC, so LC needs a little more uh, you know, attention coming out of the mix. You know this year you know, too, but to me the story in, in in the HCC is the fact that the teams that have been kind of towards the bottom end, I think are better. Noblesville is in that classification. Franklin Central is in that classification. So you can go up and down the the, the different classifications and and point to favorites, et cetera. But to me, the local story is the overall depth of the Hoosier Crossroads Conference this year. Rick, last one from me. Um, I... I don't know what exactly the event would be, but you know, watching what happened at um, Memorial Stadium in Lincoln earlier this week with that volleyball match between Nebraska and Nebraska Omaha yeah. got me thinking. Like from a state of Indiana standpoint, have you ever heard of an idea of a really like outside of the box? sporting event, you know, indoor, outdoor sort of thing. I don't know, Purdue, Indiana on some crazy neutral field, neutral stadium. I I don't really know where I'm going with that, but 
knowing what our state means to sports, especially amateur athletics, and just the passion that I feel like our state has, it got me thinking. You know, what if anything has been thrown around as a potential idea? No particular event, but it's the venue, and it's the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. There, and, and obviously, Doug Bowles and now Penske Entertainment Group have always been big about thinking outside of the box. I mean, my goodness, there's a permanent dirt track inside of Turn Three now. Um, and, and so, would it be a there, football there, game? Like, wasn't t- Tennessee, Virginia Tech at Bristol a few years ago? Correct. Which is obviously more of a bowl where you can see the entirety of the field. We don't have that luxury uh, at, at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. But you know, there there has always been kind of, and it's it, it's it's just been speculation. You know, you know, water cooler conversation. You know, could you put an NHL Winter Classic at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway? And put it, you know, say in the front stretch where you could freeze it over and you've got all of this access to people being able to watch. And you obviously got all the video boards that are already that are built in and, and things like that. So much like you, I see this on Wednesday night or Tuesday night, whatever night it was that Nebraska played Omaha. And I kept going, okay, what could we do that would generate that level of interest? Um, and so clearly now the obvious answer would be, to watch Flory Badunga play soccer or basketball <laughs> at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. That clearly needs to be the answer to this question. You just solved all of our world problems right there, Rick. I have heard, I don't know if you've heard this as well, and it's my golf brain coming out, but um, Penske Entertainment and company, they are trying to make a hard pursuit for the President's Cup over at the Brickyard Crossing Golf Course. Have you heard of that? No, I have not, but I think that's wonderful. Um, I mean, I, I'm... It's it's one of the you know this this is a great you know you know slow day mid July kind of topic. Yeah, uh-huh. Lord knows I've done this before in substitute teaching in radio over the years. But if you look at we're so spoiled here because of, of of the teams, our passion for high school and college sports, the major events that come here on a regular basis. It's ridiculous that the sports riches that we have being in, in, in Central Indiana. But if you look at like the the few kind of holes, so to speak, it would be not having a regularly scheduled LPGA Championship Tour event. You know, we went from 1991's PGA Championship to the 2012 BMW Championship without having a, a PGA Tour event in the state of Indiana. Without, I mean, and during that time, you'd have a, uh, an LPGA event of the, of the old Senior Tour, whatever the case may be. And so a Ryder Cup or a President's Cup would be the perfect thing to do it. My thing is that I don't know if the course would be difficult enough to have at the Brickyard Crossing. Brickyard Crossing is difficult for me. Maybe not for you there, Senior Scratch. Um, but but I'm, I'm not sure if it would be truly enough of a challenge uh, for the President's Cup and 24 of the top 70 professional golfers in the world. Yeah, that was certainly my first thought, but I do think what separates the President's Cup and or Ryder Cup from like hosting a whatever a normal event is it's much more of a spectacle. It's much more Absolutely. of a... It's match play, exactly. Yeah, Absolutely. Just create an ideal stadium theater atmosphere setting. Again, I was still, when I first heard about it, I'm like, and I, I checked with a couple people on it, and I was like, wait, what? Um, but once I started to think a little bit more about that man, match play, final four holes inside the track, all of those surroundings, uh, corporate you know nature to it, they obviously know what they're doing. You wouldn't have any issues with parking, etc. It, it right. started to make a little bit more sense to me. All right, I've got it on the calendar Tuesday, September twelfth. Rake, I am thrilled. Thank you for that.
You're welcome. You're, you're welcome to come and be a part of the broadcast. You're gonna be our sideline reporter that night, KB, and put you on the pitch. Rick, I know nothing about soccer, but um, it's a sleepy Tuesday night, man. Yeah. Come on, Monday I, night football. You know, it's over. It's Tuesday. It's the new week I mean, in the NFL. Your off day from going to the complex. I'm sure your wife would would love to see you. You know, <laughs> figure out something else to do and not be home that night. Heading up to Logansport, <laughs> getting a hot dog and popcorn from the concession stand, and doing a little sideline action. Oh, oh I cannot now, wait. listen. I know the neighborhood you live in. We're going to Kokomo, not Logansport. It's only 45 minutes. You got. It. <laughs> <laughs> Rake, as always, I love our conversations. Thank you. See you, fellas. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. All right, 9 o'clock hour, wake-up call. KB and Andy hanging out with you. We have one more hour to go. Labor Day weekend coming up. And as always, broadcasting live from the drivehubler.com studios. KB is decked out in his Notre Dame gear. He's looking good today. Uh, cannot wait for a long weekend of college football. And then, obviously, the Colts uh, next Sunday in action against Jacksonville. Let's get Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, in here on the Pay Less Liquors hotline. Matt, good morning. That's number one and number two uh, I know you've been caravanning all over the state how is that went and what does Matt Taylor do before the long haul of an NFL season <laughs> it was good it was good yeah I went to a couple of different uh, markets around the state went down to your old joint uh, mm-hmm. down to Louisville uh, and, and stopped in talked to those guys was on the the Bobby V show oh, yeah guy never I've never met Bob in person he's he's, he's as cool as a cucumber he's, man he's, he's a character he's super chill no yeah. doubt so it was good to Good to do that, and then you know this weekend, just like everybody else, trying to you know detach a little bit. Um, but you know, I'm ready for it. I mean, this week is excruciating because the roster cuts are in. You know, for the most part, teams are are ready to go. You know, you're tweaking the roster, trying to get one percent better by you know bringing in a guy here, adding a guy there to your practice squad, things like that. You're always trying to get better, but you know, I. I I kind of miss the old days when you, know, you play four preseason games, believe it or not. I know that sounds crazy, but you play four preseason games. You know, you set the roster on Saturday of Labor Day weekend. Monday, you've got that first practice and you go. I'm not a big fan of this this week off, but I will enjoy the weekend. You're crazy and, if uh, you want those roster cuts on Saturday. <laughs> what are you saying? Come on now. KB's face changed. Matt, his face, he, he had bitter beer know, face but, there. Matt. I know, but it, it happened over the weekend, though. I mean, I know it sucked for all the beat writers because, you know, you're, you're trying to enjoy the late weekend and you're watching some college football, trying to drink some beer, but you're also pounding away at the laptop. But I kind of, I mean, there's, it's Saturday for me as a broadcast guy. 
There's no programming. There's no content. You set the roster. You get it on Monday, and you go. You know what I mean? So it is what it is. I'm not sure if I've disagreed with you more about something. You know, trying to listen to Don Fisher broadcast the opener here, and you're worried about if Khalid Kareem's going to make the team or not. Uh, Matt Taylor, voice of the cold, sees with us here. Payless Slickers Hotline. Matt, I think we all agree Michael Pittman will have the most catches for the Colts this season. Who would you pencil in as number two on that list? I mean, are we are we sure about that? I mean, Josh Downs is pretty good. Ooh, you got Ooh. Downs over Pittman. Ooh. I mean, I, I mean, I, I just don't know. I mean, I know Pittman had those ninety nine catches last season, but I'm just saying Downs and and uh, Anthony Richardson they they seem to have found some really good synergy. Not that you know Pittman and Richardson have not, but I mean they're the same age or same draft class, I should say. You know, they're roommates, you know, that story that goes back to the spring, you know, they're in the parking lot hanging out, throwing the football. I don't know. I, I just think there's something kind of special brewing between those two young guys, maybe in the, the same vein as like T.Y. Hilton and, and Andrew Luck. But, you know, we'll see. But I think Josh Downs is going to be pretty darn good. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, and I would agree in going with Downs over Pierce. Like, I, I mm-hmm. think that is is – I would side with you on that. It's interesting. I went back and looked at T.Y. Hilton's rookie year. And again, Reggie Wayne obviously caught over 100 balls. T.Y. Hilton only had 50 catches. And like when you think about it, I think T.Y. missed a game as as a rookie. So it's not like he was out for a long period of time. But I mean, when you divide 16 by 50, 50 by 16, I mean, that's three catches a game. Like when you say that out loud, it doesn't sound right. like much at all. So if like you were going to tell me Josh Downs is going to catch, I don't know, 65, 70 balls, it really doesn't sound like that much when you break it down to the per game basis. But when you compare him to like past Colt rookie wideouts, that is a right. ton. No, absolutely. And, you know, you look at Pierce last year. I know it's it's kind of apples and oranges because they played different positions. Um, you know, one guy's an outside big body receiver. The other guy's a slot. Um, but, I, but I think, you know, again, you look at Pierce's numbers last year, what he had just a little bit over 500 yards receiving. And I think, I think Downs is capable. I think he has a, a potential to, to even surpass that. And that's kind of a rarity. I mean, that's a really good season for a rookie-wide receiver – and I think Downs is, is capable of, of surpassing that. But I think more than anything else, when you look at Downs and, and what he adds to this offense and, quite frankly, what he needs to bring to the offense, Kevin is yak, yards after the catch. I mean, it, like we said, Pittman is going to be your possession guy. I, 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 you know, Now that I think about it, he, he probably will lead the Colts in, in receptions just because of how good he is. And, you know, he's a big-body guy. He can – you know, boxing people out and, and get those tough catches, you know, get those third downs, those those red zone receptions. Um, Pierce is your big play, you know, stretch the field, those go balls, those go routes. But they need somebody in the slot, and they haven't had this in a long time. You know, somebody that can get you an explosive play without it being a home run ball down the field, right? Turn a seven- and eight-yard catch into a 15-yard first down and help this offense be more efficient because last year what was it the number was like 9.7 you know yards per catch last season as a team collectively from their wide receivers which was the lowest number in the history of the franchise mm. so they need more yak and explosive plays you know across the board no matter how you get them whether you get them from Pittman uh, again as a you know, kind of that basketball analogy where he goes up and high points the ball. Same thing with Alec Pierce, you know, kind of streaking down the sideline. Or with, 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 if it's uh, 
if it's downs again, you know, with yards after the catch with his speed and what he can do with his legs, um, they just need you know more complementary pieces within this offense, and I think they're going to get. It. I think they have it right now. Same thing with Isaiah McKenzie, um, Anthony Richardson. You know, can can throw every pass. Obviously, the arm strength is just off the charts. So I, I think they have on paper the necessary pieces to do that, but. I think Downs is in for a really, really big year, and they need him to be a big yak guy yards after the catch um, this upcoming season. I, I just happen to think Downs, those quick hitters, we, we saw that in a couple preseason games. Those are going to be all his. I, I'm totally with you. Matt Taylor with us here uh, on the fan on the Pay Less Liquors hotline. Uh, running back, we don't know Zach Moss with that arm injury, uh, how he will be trending towards week one. That brings up, obviously, Evan Hall. It brings up Deion Jackson. How do you think the Colts will do that on, on Sunday? What do you think they'll look like at running back? Any way to know? Well, I think it's going to be running back by committee, and that's really not you know that's that's really not foreign in the NFL. Most teams are like that. I mean, most teams don't have you know a Saquon Barkley or a Josh Jacobs or a Jonathan Taylor. So you know the Colts are are going to have to use that approach. And yeah, I mean you're right. Zach Moss is the biggest question mark within that group from a health standpoint. You know, he broke that arm, you know, maybe the third or fourth day of training camp. He was looking good. Um, but then obviously it's, all right, is he going to get back? Is, you know, five, six weeks, is that enough time to get back for the regular season? And then with that, you're talking about, you know, time on task on the field, you know, just in terms of comfort and timing. You know, the RPO game is going to be a huge part of this offense. And RPO is all about time. It's all about feel and and, you know, just having that synergy, you know, in the backfield with the quarterback like Anthony Richardson, you know, when you're off the field for that long, I mean, obviously he can do other things, but, you know, you're talking about conditioning and just being in football shape. So, you know, that's something that the Colts are going to have to deal with when, when uh, evaluating uh, Zach Moss um, coming off of that injury. Uh, but the good news is he's not on IR to start the season. Right. So I think he should be able to contribute in some way. But, you know, Deion Jackson is a guy that – you know, he's never been a you know a three down back. Um, Evan Hole, I think, is going to be a good pass catching back. There's no doubt about that. I think he is deceptively good. I know he kind of whiffed on that one play last week in Philadelphia. You know, late in the second quarter when Richardson had to make something happen on his own and throw off platform, but he did miss a, a big block in pass protection. But I think that's only one instance. I think for the most part, he's pretty good in the passing game, being able to pick up blitzers and, and being able to help protect Anthony Richardson. So, um, you know, it, it kind of is what it is without Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss's situation. But, you know, the Colts are now in, in, a, in a boat that a lot of teams find themselves in and having to kind of platoon and rotate some of their backs in the running game. Now or never for the Reds, Matt? Ooh. Ooh. Uh, it's it's got to be now, man. I mean, it seems like every series they play. I mean, this is it, right? Four games with the Cubs. I mean, this is it. But I mean, I, I would have said that against the Diamondbacks. I would have yeah. said well, that. Well, KB did. KB did but say now that against I really the mean it. Arizona Diamondbacks. I really mean yeah. it now. No, you're you're exactly right. I mean, this is kind of make or break. And you know, the mindset that I've had as a Reds fan this year is like, okay, this is so out of maybe not out of out of nowhere, but certainly didn't did not expect to have meaningful baseball in you know mid to late August, and certainly now that we're here in September, so. I'm kind of just along for the ride. I'm not getting too upset. I'm not getting too low. I mean, if this was 10 years ago, KB, I mean, you knew me back then. You knew me back then, like in the, the, the 2012 Reds, the 2013 Reds. 
I mean, I'd be dog cussing them <laughs> oh, yeah. down in my living room. I mean, I'd be throwing remotes yeah. on the street. Pray for Sam. I mean, this is yeah. This is this is a great like new chapter of Matt Taylor's red fandom, where everything's more even keeled, more logical. Um, and just kind of understanding the process of small market baseball and just enjoying the ride, right? <laughs> tell, I, I hate that. Can tell I you have it. a daughter, Matt, you know, with those comments. <laughs> what are you, Matt, with all this perspective? There, in, I know. All this perspective in life. Come Give on. Give the snark. Uh, yeah, the, I think the kids have really kind of mellowed me out. Say, all right, what, what's important in life? Do they really want to see this from their dad? Come on, <laughs> Preach. Uh, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. If you had to narrow down, let's get to January 15th, and we're talking about an Anthony Richards season, Anthony Richardson season, and if you, if you wanted to narrow it down to one aspect of where you really want to see growth, just one, what would it be? Um. Well, I, I think a couple, so I kind of like all, and I think they're all kind of related. I think it's I think it's timing, accuracy, and touch. And I know those are three things, but I think they're all kind of one, because you know, we, we saw it last Thursday. There, there's a handful of times where he's still kind of throwing that Aroldis Chapman fastball when a little bit more touch or a little bit more arc or finesse or, you know, just better ball placement, if you will, better feel for what needs to, you know, how much how much velocity I need to place on this football right now. I mean, we saw that to the, the throw to Josh Downs. I mean, he, he still should have caught the football. But I think better feel for the game right there. And I know it's hard. He's jacked up. He's, he's really fired up to, to play in the first half of a preseason game, kind of that dress rehearsal going into the regular season. I think that just comes with time. I think that comes with just more experience. Um, you know, that football IQ will really, you know, just exponentially grow throughout the season with more time on task. So I just think timing, accuracy, rhythm, and having a good feel for what the situation calls for with how I deliver the ball, where I put it, you know, how much force I, I put behind the ball. I think all of those things come in time for Anthony Richardson. But, you know, I talked with Brian Baldinger earlier this week from the NFL Network. You know, he did one of those, uh, Brian, you know, Baldy breakdowns. Oh, yeah, the videos. Oh, uh, the yeah. videos are great. No, no question. And, you know, he was sitting there, and, and it, it looks a lot like Philadelphia last year with Jalen Hurts. I'm not saying it's going to be the exact same offense, but, you know, two similar players in terms of skill sets. Same offensive coordinator uh, and Shane Steichen. Uh, I, I think there's no reason why Anthony Richardson cannot have a, a good deal of success early on as a rookie, and and I think he's only going to get better. I mean, I think the guy that you see in week two, to your point, KB, is going to be completely different than the guy you see in, in mid-November. I think you know the sophistication is just going to grow and grow and grow. Um, his comfort's going to be there. And I, I think that accuracy and that, that completion percentage number is going to steadily climb throughout the season. Matt Taylor with us here on the Fan 9 o'clock hour, hanging out with you up until 10. Matt, for me, last one. Uh, you know, I know you've already started. Uh, listen, AFC South, so you know Jacksonville a little bit. Jacksonville getting a lot of love, obviously, again, to win the division uh, and to be a playoff team. I, listen, next Friday we'll have a more in-depth kind of breakdown of this game, but again, Guess your early thoughts on next Sunday's game as you get ready for Jacksonville. Well, Jacksonville has, I mean, they're getting a lot of praise, and rightfully so, right? They are the team to beat inside the AFC South. This is this is what happens when you are a team that has, you know, solid footing at the head coaching position, the quarterback position, and quite frankly, when you draft in the top five for 25 <laughs> straight years like the Jacksonville Jaguars have done, 
I mean, obviously that's a joke, but I mean, you, you should you should have good players, and they certainly do. And what they have done to their credit as well, um, you know, they they've addressed needs, you know, important areas on their team in free agency, like wide receiver and you know front seven uh, on their defense. So they are a very very I would say well constructed team. I think from top to bottom in the AFC South right now, presently speaking, um, they probably have the best roster or the amount of overall impact at those premium positions. But um, they have. I would say the the weight of the world on their shoulders because everybody is picking them to be the dark horse in the AFC, not only the AFC South, but the conference. You know, I think they're maybe like a a step below some of those, you know, elite teams. Agreed. I agree with you. And the Bengals and the Buffalo Bills. But I think they're right there Mm -hmm. knocking on the door. And I love the fact that this game's right out of the gate. I know some people are kind of, you know, weary of that. I love it because it's a big game right out of the chute. Um, and it's an AFC South game, a home game for the Colts. Um, it, it's, it's just really weird. When you look at this series, I know this is kind of nerdy, but you look at this series, the Colts have won five straight uh, against the Jaguars at Lucas Oil Stadium. Obviously, the Colts haven't won down there in Jacksonville since 2014. The home team in this series, between the Colts and Jags, the home team has won 11 straight games. Wow. So I mean, it's a good I don't stat. know, I don't really I don't know if that correlates to anything coming up next Sunday. Obviously time will tell and you got the weird streak of the Colts, you know, not being able to win a week one game since 2013. All of that stuff we're going to talk about next week, but I think it's a stiff test for the Colts, but I love it right out of the gate. Kind of one of those barometer games of where are you um, when you when you kind of stack yourself up against some one of the best teams that is just riddled with talent on both sides of the ball right out of the gate. Yeah, Colts beating the Jags at home last year. You had that Matt Ryan to Alec Pierce, you know, call-in game uh, close to that one. Certainly one of the few individual highlights from last year. All right, Matt, we'll end with this. I know, obviously, you are a die-hard, die-hard Reds fan. You are also a die-hard Indiana football fan. As the Indiana football season gets underway tomorrow, your favorite moment from being an IU football fan? Oh my gosh! Oh man. Um. Well, I I would probably just say, sappy sappy wise, it's it's probably just going to games with my dad. You know, I think it's it's hard to find you know specific moments you know in terms of just team success, but it's just you know that's just what we did. My my dad and I we would drive down there after like CYO practice on a Saturday morning, Kevin. And we would go down there. We would tailgate. We listen to the band and. You know, we we drive home, listen to fish, and you know, wrap up the game. You know, listen to the post game show. I mean, it's just it's just what we did. Um, I would say just on the field, and and this is what sucks about it is that it, it was probably that COVID season when they beat Wisconsin on the road. You know, that early December game when they knocked off Wisconsin, and a huge moment for the program at the time. Um, you know, obviously a great great season within the Big Ten. They only only had the one loss that year. But just you couldn't really fully enjoy it because it, there was nobody there. Obviously, it was a road game, but you just all right. We beat Wisconsin on the road, but man, this would have been so much sweeter if there were fans there in the stands and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I think just it, IU football has just been a big part of like my childhood and, and growing up, and um, I just, I think they have everything they need. I mean, I know this is going to sound corny and stupid, but you know, I know they're going to put a bunch of money in the facilities down there. They're going to renovate Memorial Stadium. 
they already have. It already looks really, really good. Um, the facilities are good. I think the coaching staff is is good. Um, the fan base is not people. It's not like people don't want to like football down in Bloomington. They just need a chance. They need a reason to to give up their Saturday to invest in it. And I think people will if they can kind of turn the corner. But that's that's been the big question, and we've been kind of waiting for that for. You know, decades plus now. I thought you might say, was it Austin Starr? Is that the kicker's name? To send IU to the bowl game in, what was that, yeah, 07? That was the Purdue game. Yeah. yeah, that was the bucket game in 07. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a great moment. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. That was I couldn't enjoy that one because I was actually playing a game in uh, playing in a game myself that day. We were playing Hanover. Uh-oh, the Grizzlies were playing? We were playing Hanover that day, so I didn't see it. So that, that one kind of got lost in my memory. Uh, understood. Understood. Uh, enjoy the quiet weekend. Let's go, Reds. And yep. we will talk to you on Tuesday. <laughs> or, uh, sorry, we'll talk to you next Friday. Appreciate it, Matt. I know. You got it, boys. I appreciate you, too. Have a good weekend.